Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us this morning. Hey, if you're a first-time guest with us, genuinely glad that you're here. Uh, Listen, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey, uh, I just want you to know that you're loved, safe, and welcome here in this community. Our desire is to meet you where you are and simply help you take some next steps, uh, whatever that means in your relationship with God. So um, hope that you find this place starting to feel like family for you as you're plugging in. Uh, We are in the middle of a series uh, on the Holy Spirit. It's been incredible up to this point. Have you guys been enjoying it? Super awesome. You guys came back after last week, which is great. So well done. Last week was probably the most challenging of the conversations, but honestly, very, very great uh, for us and for me. Uh, before we get into uh, uh, the message today, I just want to celebrate. Maddie did a great job of that. But specifically, I want you to know that we're serving 88 specific families through the Food for Families initiative, thanks to your generosity. So thank you. Uh, so many of you are dropping those food items off in the lobby. Uh, mine is still in my car. <laughs> I forgot to bring it in this morning. And so uh, whenever you get a chance, do that. And then we'll just be prepping those bags after service next week in order to serve those families directly. So again, thank you guys so much for that. It's amazing to be a part of a radically generous church in and for the city, especially as we move into the holiday season when a lot of needs come up, we get to be there. And so thank you guys for that. Uh, so we're in the series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, you can go back, catch it on our, our, our podcast or, or our YouTube channel. Uh, there's been some pretty like pivotal, formative ones that we've gone through over the last couple of weeks. The first like few weeks we did, like who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? And what does it mean to have a relationship with him? Um, and then now we're kind of in the mode of what the stuff the Spirit does in and through our lives as Jesus followers. And so uh, today we're on the topic of healing. And uh, this one I think is really interesting because if you're a Jesus follower in the room, you probably believe that God can heal. Um, but depending on like where you are and your experience in life after that, I think it might start to break down. Like People start to go different ways in what they believe about it. Like, can God heal? Sure. Does he want to? Does he even like me? You know, some of you are like, I'm not really sure what we believe. And, and then depending on your story, sometimes this can be really emotional and sensitive, right? Some people have amazing stories of God doing amazing things and healing people. And, and it's this incredible story. And other people have really sad stories of, of it seems like God was absent through the entire thing and it ended in really heavy tragedy. And so you, you get to a topic like this and there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of abuse around this, quite frankly, that, that whether you've been in and around church or, or, or spiritual dialogue or the Christian faith for any amount of time, um, you're probably familiar with the abuse uh, that comes along with, with stuff like this, especially like, you know, send in $9.99 and we'll send you a special healing hanky in the mail, you know, stuff like that. We don't do that here. Ours are $15.99, by the way, in case you're, it's a joke. We don't have hankies, okay? Uh, at least not that we sail, sail, sell. Not like a boat, but like for purchase. Anyway, um, 
but with this, with this topic, I think there comes like doubt, there comes confusion, uh, you know, around kind of the back and forth here. There also comes celebration and frustration. So this is just a tension I want to acknowledge as we get into the conversation today. Um, here's what's interesting, though, is even if you don't know what you believe or, or, or where you land on your spiritual journey, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, um, most people, especially when life gets hard or they get into a scenario when, you know, the doctors run out of options and medicine's not doing the trick anymore, most people will, will give prayer a shot right? And it's interesting. I had tons of like non-Christian friends that, hey, can you pray for this when, when kind of all the other options are exhausted? And so again, still not really sure what you believe about it, but it's at least worth a shot. And so here's the good news. Jesus and the New Testament authors, they seem to have a much clearer picture of this conversation, specifically around God's heart toward healing, and then what it looks like than you and I do in the practice of it. And so we're going to dig into the scriptures today and talk about it. But before we do, I wanted to give you a good reminder because, because we've been walking through the stuff the Spirit does, and you can go back to 1 Corinthians 12 and kind of read the list of all the things that the Spirit does in and through his followers. Um, but as we're going into healing today, I don't want us to mix the big picture that's really, really pivotal. And so Richard Foster, he's a well-known author, um, and he wrote this really formational book on the spiritual disciplines that we've talked about a lot here at City Church. Um, he, he wrote the foreword to a book by John Wimber on, uh, called Power Healing. And I just wanted to read some of the words that he, he wrote, and he said it way better than I could, so I'm just going to read it for you. Is that okay? You guys cool with that? So just listen to him as we talk about this conversation. He says, I don't think these being the the stuff the Spirit does, the spiritual gifts. He says, I don't think these are the most important issues in the Christian life and experience. Meaning you're you're walking in today, and and maybe healing is one of the most important things that, that you need today. It's very possible. But more times than not, like there's some more like practical, urgent things going on in our lives than like last week we're talking about praying in tongues and what does that mean? Um, and, and kind of debunking some of the weird in that. And so, right, sometimes you get into these conversations, and you're like, hey, there's more pressing and more important issues. He just acknowledges that, hey, I don't think these are the most important issues when it comes to the Christian life and experience. But these conversations remind us that at the heart of God is the desire to give and to forgive. It encourages us to believe that God is good and that he longs to pour his goodness out into our hearts and lives. Isn't that good? He goes on, he says, it warns us, these conversations, it warns us against locking God into a safe, distant past. It urges us to invite the winds of the Holy Spirit to blow freely, saving, healing, loving, and forgiving in our lives. He says, Miracles and, and healings of all kinds are simply part of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. They should be received gladly as one vital aspect of the normal Christian life. It's interesting that he uses like simple and normal, and they don't feel like that at all, right? And that's kind of where we're at. We're in a posture as a church to just open up our lives to one what the scriptures say and what the Spirit of God wants to do in and through this community. And it starts simply with an opening up of like, okay, God, I trust you that your heart is good and you want to do this. Here's what's interesting, though, and I don't want you to miss this part. He says, however, they being the spiritual gifts should not be made into some sort of big deal, since daily obedience is far more central to our life with God. 
right? He's like, hey, this is not meant to be impressive or like, I mean, should it make much of God? Yes. Should it be loving toward others? Yes. But is it meant to be like, oh, there's a super spirituality we need to be after? No. He's like, actually, the most important thing for you and I is that we're walking daily and intimately with Jesus, which is what we talk about a lot here at City Church. All the stuff the Spirit wants to do in and through your life will not be separated from intimacy with God daily. Jesus said, you you abide in me, and I can produce much fruit in your life, but you you don't abide in me, and, and apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he says, hey, just don't, don't miss it. Like, these conversations are important, and God wants to do it, but the central piece of it is this rhythm of knowing God's love and hearing from him and obeying and walking in tandem in that relationship. So he, he kind of lands the plane. He says, when we see the stuff the Spirit does, that's my insert because that's the translation we've been using, when we see the stuff the Spirit does as simply part of the normal life of the people of God, we are free from elevating one way of serving over another. And so seen in this light, the stuff the Spirit does is merely a way of showing love to people in need. You guys got it? So this goes right back to 1 Corinthians 13. We, we did this on the kind of front end of the work. Hey, Paul says, hey guys, listen, it's great. All this stuff is great and it's so important and God wants to do it and that's awesome. But the central focus is love. Love of God and love of your neighbor. And all of this is for that purpose. And if we miss that, Paul says, we missed it all. We've missed it completely. And so first, I hope that you're just reminded today, God loves you deeply. God loves you deeply and is pursuing you. But in addition, God wants to work in and through you to love others. And that's why we're pressing in. So Luke chapter 4 on the screen as we get into this conversation. This is, uh, these are the words of Jesus. Um, kind of a pivotal moment after his baptism. This is a, a, a really big deal. He's, he comes to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So this is hundreds of years before Jesus is on the scene, the scroll that he's reading. He unrolls the scroll and finds the place where it was written. And and we read this a couple weeks ago. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He goes on. He has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are being oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, sits down, and the eyes of everyone are fixed on him. And then Jesus began to say to them, today, right now, in front of you, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so this is Jesus for, hey, the kingdom of God is here and everything you've been waiting for is, is sitting right in front of you. And so Jesus introduces this concept of the kingdom of God that we've, we talked about periodically throughout this series. And so inside this, this idea of the kingdom of God is where all the stuff the Spirit does happens. And so just from the, the, the prophet Isaiah here, right, what's happening? People are being healed and set free and, and all the stuff happening in the Spirit of God, Jesus is introducing. And here's what's amazing is Luke, if you know anything about Luke's gospel, He's a really smart guy, kind of helping us process the story of Jesus. And so literally from here to the right, if you pick up one of the Bibles in front of you, and I'm going to encourage you to do that because we're going to, we're going to walk through a few verses here. Uh, if you have on your phone or a Bible in front of you, turn to Luke chapter 4. Uh, we don't normally do this. I normally give it to you on the screen, but it was too much for me to type out. So today we're just, and I really want to show you the flow here. From here to the right is literally story after, after story of Jesus introducing this stuff. Jesus doing this, this stuff that the Spirit does. It's quite amazing. So we're going to kind of walk through it just for a second. Again, we're looking at healing specifically, but we just read Luke chapter 4, verses like 18-ish. So jump down to Luke 4, 
um, verse 38. And again, I'm just going to fly through this with you, so follow the theme with me. Again, left to, left to right, we're just kind of walking through a few chapters in Luke together, okay? So uh, verse 38, so then we see another story. Jesus arose, he left the synagogue, entered Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Okay, so Jesus shows up on the scene, and he heals just in a very simple moment. She has a high fever, and he heals her, and then he starts making lunch. And you're like, cool. So like, what does it take to get healed by Jesus? Well, maybe, you just, you know, maybe he just has to be hungry. You know, round one, like, what, what does it take to, to, to see Jesus heal? Look at 5.12, so just like the next chapter over. Here's another story. And again, Luke is just going to give us healing after healing, miracle after miracle. Verse 12, so while uh, Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And again, this is a skin disease that would have separated him both from society and he is actually unwell. And when, when he saw Jesus, this man fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I will, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So we see again, like another person just healed in the moment. Well, what's the deal here? Jesus, was he hungry still? Or is this just a guy Jesus had compassion on? What are we looking for here? Go, to, go down to verse 17, right after that. Just watch the theme. Uh, one of those days as Jesus was teaching, he's uh, gathered with the Pharisees of the law, and, and they come, people would come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to what? To heal. Okay, just watch it, okay? And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. They were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. And they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd. So then they went up on the roof, let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst of Jesus. So they put a hole in someone's roof to get their friend to Jesus. And when, they, when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? The friend's faith. This is really interesting. Jesus looked at the man and said, your sins are forgiven, which is super great. Thank you so much, Jesus. Except this is kind of weird because they brought this guy here because he's paralyzed. So Jesus deals with something that maybe wasn't the primary priority. And then everyone kind of gets upset about it. Jump, jump down to verse 23. Which is easier, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But so that you can know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he looked at the paralyzed man and said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately... He rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement, naturally, seized everyone, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Okay, so here's another scenario. Four dudes bring their friend, and Jesus heals them. Jump over to 6, verse uh, 17 with me. And again, you, you can read the whole Gospel of Luke on your own time. But verse 17, Jesus came down, he stood on a level place with great crowds and multitudes, people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, and uh, they, they came to hear him, verse 18, and to be healed, you see it, to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits, they were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Okay, you guys tracking with me? Just a few more. Uh, seven. Let's just go to chapter seven. Verse one. There's this like centurion servant. This centurion, he's like a, like a Roman official in the military. And he has a servant, verse two, who was sick and at the point of death. And everyone highly valued him. And so when the centurion heard about Jesus, because word had got out that this guy was healing people, they sent him, uh, the elders of the Jews, asking, hey, come and heal his servant. And you can skip down to verse seven. Um, the, the, the centurion says, 
Jesus, I, I didn't presume that you should come to me, but you can simply say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority. I've got soldiers under me. I can say one go over here or one come and he comes and my servant do this and he does it. And so when Jesus heard these things, verse nine, he marveled, turned to the crowds and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So here's another story. I mean, over and over again, Jesus is healing people, all kinds of different formulas and scenarios. Last one, verse 11, look here. Soon after, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died. This is like extra sick, right? <laughs> okay, in case you're wondering, how dead is he? He's very dead, okay? He was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, a considerable crowd was with her. And when the Lord saw her, saw her check this out, he had compassion on her. And he said, do not weep. And then he came up, touched the bear, and the bear stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Okay, so, so I show you all of that just really quickly um, to, to show you, I mean, I mean, keep reading it. Healing is a part of Jesus' way of life, right? You, you kind of see like just the part of Jesus is this healing miraculous stuff all over the place. Jesus is healing people everywhere, but there's no formula to it, right? So, you, I mean, you and I are asking the questions like, how does God heal and what are we looking for? Like, do you have to die first? Or does your mom have to be a crybaby in order to get, you know, like, is that what you need? And then Jesus has a little bit of compassion and he heals you? Or like, do you just need the right friends in the right scenario, right? They got to really kind of be eager to get you to Jesus and then, okay, bam, you're healed there. Or like, do you just need to have the right boss, like, we know nothing about the servant. We know nothing about him other than his boss believed that Jesus could, and then Jesus healed him. Or, like, do you just, just have to catch Jesus when he's hungry? And, and then maybe you're in, and he'll heal you. I mean, right, what does it take to get healed by Jesus? And my point is that there's no formula, which is what we would like to see happen. But if you read, like, through the gospel stories, these four accounts of Jesus' life, almost 40% of the stories that you and I read are about healing. So that's why we're talking about it today. And, and you might say, okay, yeah, but that's Jesus, and he died and resurrected, rose again, ascended. He's not here, so I don't have time to give it to you. But in Luke 9, Jesus looks at his 12 guys, and he says, okay, I give you authority to go preach the kingdom and heal. So he gives it to them. Okay, yeah, but they're the disciples and the apostles, and they're cooler than us, and we don't have that, yeah. But then Luke 10, just keep reading, and Jesus looks at 72 followers, so not the apostles anymore, way more just normal followers of Jesus. And he says, hey, go proclaim the good news of the kingdom, and when you go to different houses, heal. So, I mean, okay, well, okay, well, what about Acts 5? You go into the New Testament, okay, post, like, gospels in Acts, early church, Holy Spirit has come. We see, like, crazy stuff happening through the life of Peter. Okay, yeah, he's Peter, but a couple weeks ago, we looked at it. Go to Acts 7, Acts 8. What is it? We got a dude named Stephen, a dude named Philip. God's doing miraculous stuff through just normal Jesus followers, and so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that all of this is open to the followers of Jesus both throughout church history and today. And especially the stories we hear around the global church are just wrecking our Western constructs. And so today I'm going to give you three observations around healing. And again, this is, I'm on this journey with you. I told you that on the front end. Uh, this has been really, really helpful. If you want more resources on this, happy to give them to you. But three observations around healing. Number one, all healing, if you're taking notes, this is really important. All healing must be set inside the reality of the now and not yet of the kingdom of God. So the first thing we're going to do is deal with a little bit of tension. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that healing wasn't just proof that Jesus was God. 
I mean, it was part of that, but, but healing was also signs of the inbreaking kingdom that Jesus came to introduce. And so let me show you Mark chapter 1 real fast. So just listen to how Jesus talked about the kingdom for a second. He goes into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He says, the time has come, and the kingdom of God has come near, as it is right in front of you. It's here today with you. Therefore, repent and believe the good news. So the invitation from Jesus on the front end is the kingdom of God is here. Let me give you another one, Luke chapter 17. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus said the kingdom of God's not coming in ways that can be observed, and nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, because the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So Jesus is actively talking about the kingdom of God right here, right now, in front of us. So check this out, Luke 22. Jesus says, for I tell you, (laughs) this is uh, something familiar every week, we kind of do the breaking of the bread, right? This is that scenario. I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So which one is it, Jesus? Like sometimes he's talking about it's like right here, right in front of us right now, and other times he's like, it's coming. And the answer is yes. For Jesus, the kingdom of God is now Right here, right now, present in front of us, and not yet. And, and, and this is what this means. It's like for Jesus, the, the introduction of the kingdom, this is really important. I know this is a little heady, but we've got to get here because it frames up how we think about healing. The end game of Jesus coming to planet Earth, living a perfect life, dying for our sins, being buried, ra- rising again. Like what's the end game of the kingdom? The end game, game is the healing of all humanity and the brokenness not only of ourselves but our world. That there is a world on the horizon that Jesus and the New Testament authors talked about over and over again when God makes everything completely new, completely whole. No sin, no sickness, no death, no disease. And that's where we're heading with King Jesus as his followers. But don't miss this. Because of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, Jesus has also been dragging that future into our current reality. First with him, and then through his spirit and his followers. And he says, okay, what, what does all this mean? It means that sometimes we pray for people and they get healed, completely made whole. And it means sometimes we pray for people and nothing happens, or they get worse. And this is the tension of of this kingdom reality of already and not yet. And and most of the time people pick a side because this is so uncomfortable, because it's so challenging, and because we don't understand. Pick a side, like, okay, yeah, Jesus is going to heal you, we believe that, but it'll be at the resurrection. So like, not really right now, just be as comfortable as you can, and then, yep, Jesus will make you whole in the end. And other people are like, yeah, Jesus will heal you right now. Like, be healed in the name of Jesus, bam! And if it doesn't happen, oh, well, you must just not have enough faith. <laughs> and that's not true either, right? So, so it's not really helpful to pick a side. We have to learn. Here's the invitation today. You and I must learn to live in the tension of the already not yet reality of the kingdom of God. And this is not just true of healing. This is true of you as a Jesus follower. When you trust in Jesus, Jesus says you're born again. You're made alive and made new. But then you're not 
totally perfect yet, are you? You're like, oh man, I still got this struggle and that struggle, and what about this, and what about this tension, right? It's the already not yet reality. And so we have to learn to live in the tension, and this is hard, I'll just be honest with you. Depending on the personal conversation you're having, this is more than hard. This is heartbreaking, this is, this is faith just obliterating, this is frustrating, but at the same time, it can be full of expectation and hope and and then over here again on confusion and why would God heal here and not here, right? It, it raises a lot of questions. But this is the paradigm that we have to think of healing in. You guys tracking with me? Okay, number two. Healing is for the whole person. This is important because of our Western culture kind of enlightenment construct that we live in. Um, you know, we're, we're more than like brains on sticks. Um, we're whole persons. There's not like the separation of body and, and, and mind and soul. And, and so we, we tend to think of healing as one-dimensional when, when, when in reality we're whole persons, and so therefore there's a whole dynamic of healing. So let me give you four dimensions or arenas of healing. Number one is going to be spiritual healing. This is, this is speaking to your relationship with God. So when we start praying for healing, like what, what, what's on the table? Well, I want you to understand that there's categories. So, so it could be spiritual healing, and these can all interconnect as well. Um, but this is primarily uh, you know, your relationship with God, so this is just very black and white, what Jesus came to accomplish. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for us is to make us alive because we're dead and sin. That's that old forgiveness thing, right? So forgiveness of sin, yes, but also freedom from sin. Jesus came to do both, right? What did he say? To set the captives free. And he wasn't talking about like Roman prisoners. <laughs> okay, so, so what, what is Jesus coming to do? There's spiritual healing that Jesus comes to do. And because sin, there's this idea of sin that you might or might not like that word, but this brokenness that we experience both internally and in the world that we live in and evil and all the stuff that we deal with. The idea of sin for Jesus and the New Testament authors is the root cause of all brokenness, all evil in our world, including disease and death itself. And so Jesus came to deal with that very specific problem. So forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin. So addictions and habits, things that cause us guilt and shame. Jesus came to forgive us and to heal us of those things. Number two, emotional healing. And, and this, one's, this one's interesting because um, like we're all for therapy and counselors and, and all of that as well. So I don't want you to hear like, like this is not an anti-doctor, anti-therapy homeopathic, weird, anyway, we're not there, right? Like, we're all for all of it. Um, I don't care how God heals somebody, I'm just about it, okay? So, um, when it comes to emotional healing, though, this is what's interesting. This is what you could call healing of the psyche. And this is one that doesn't get talked about very much, but this might be a wound from your past. This could be a mother wound or a father wound. This could be a traumatic event from your past. This could be something that happened in your teen years. This could be a divorce this could be a miscarriage. This, this could be a number of things that whatever has happened, it still has power over you emotionally and relationally today. And most of this stuff is so heavy that we bury it and we shove it and we ignore it and we don't, we don't really want to dig for it at all. So one of the books that we encourage is like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is just a journey back into your whole life rather than just what's in front of you. Um, and, and, and so when it comes to emotional healing, right, maybe there's something that's happened in your past that you've never found healing over. Not because you haven't tried, not because you haven't acknowledged it, not because you haven't gone to a counselor, 
And again, it's, it's like an open wound is what this thing feels like maybe. Um, and so again, all for therapy and counselors and, and honestly, right? Sometimes a couple months with a counselor and you can find healing with the thing that you're wrestling with. Like something comes out that you weren't aware of and all of a sudden you deal with it and you find some wholeness and healing and just a very simple gift of someone helping you walk through that. But that doesn't always work, right? So sometimes a couple of months or years after that and you're still stuck. That thing that you are now aware of, like you know what's wrong, you know what's in front of you, you just don't know how to fix it. That's why we need emotional healing. Um, the next one would be physical healing. This is probably the most practical. Right? Just very simply, something physical that you can pray over. I mean, this can be as, as, as uh, severe as cancer. It can be as simple as arthritis. It can be any kind of chronic pain. I mean, anything. Anything physical, we can pray for that. I mean, this is not you know, rocket science necessarily in that realm. And the last one would be healing uh, from demonic oppression. And I don't have a ton of time to talk about that today. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But when it comes to conversations around healing, there are times when the other arenas of spiritual, emotional, and physical areas that need healing, they, they have a root cause in something like demonic influence. And so listen, this is not permission to be like, oh, I got a cold this week. Must be a demon, right? That's not what we're talking about, right? Like, I know the people that want to blame the devil for everything, and sometimes it's just because you're a jerk, right? Like, that might be the problem for your relational issues. So let's just be clear, okay? Like, we're not in the zone of hyper-spiritualizing anything. Your car doesn't start on a cold Monday morning. It's got to be a devil, right? Or, or your battery's dead and it's cold. Like, like so, so again, this is not meant to be... This, this, I would say, is rare. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. So, so if you don't like it, deal with Jesus in the scriptures, not me, okay? Um, and again, our Western minds, I mean, we're like, you know, I, I, I know it. We'll talk about it in a couple weeks. But I need you to understand that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, the source can be, again, because we're whole persons, these lines can blur. And so when we're receiving prayer, we're not just like, okay, God, let's deal with this physical thing. But we ask very simply, God, is there anything else? Is there something we don't see? And so again, sometimes you, know, you might pray for someone to be healed of something physical and it later comes to light that there's something else going on, right? Maybe there's unforgiveness or anger or an addiction or, or some past issue that hasn't been dealt with and it's manifesting in a different way. Uh, you know, sometimes again, praying for, for something chronic that, that uh, for healing could be that it's related to something else. So again, I'm not here to, to dig into all that today. Um, we're all for doctors. We're all for medicine. And if you're a little bit uncomfortable, welcome to the club, Okay. This is just the, 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 the life that we're invited into with Jesus. And so we, we, we prefer, Western kind of construct, we prefer to think of the body as a machine and doctors as mechanics. And that I'm way more comfortable with, right? I can change some oil, okay? Um, but when we start getting into dealing with the whole person, it gets a little intimidating. And so last thing for healing um, is, is it takes faith to be healed. Um, the good news is, however, that... Jesus will take faith wherever he can find it. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, like, like most good lies, uh, they have like half-truth in them. And so an abuse uh, of this version or this idea would be if you only had more faith, you would be healed. Or if they only had more faith or whatever, like any kind of version of that. You just need more faith. Um, and, and it's just not true for a thousand reasons we don't have time to get into today. 
And so the, the goal is not guilt and shame. You know, someone's not healed when you're praying over them or for you. Like the goal is not, ah, well, I just don't have enough faith. It's not it at all. It's not true. But like most good lies, there's a half-truth in there that Jesus does consistently talk about the relationship between healing and faith. So we've got to define, I think, faith as we're having this conversation. So what does it mean? Like when we're talking about having faith in this, is it emotionalism? You just kind of work yourself up that I believe, that I believe, I believe. You know, are we talking about you know, believing the impossible, this abstract kind of like, yeah, if I can just disconnect my, my intellect from my current situation and believe really hard, what are we talking about when we talk about faith? And so here's the definition I want you to work with, with me today. Um, is faith is, is simply believing that God can heal and that he wants to. God can heal and he wants to. And specifically, belief turns into faith when we act on it. And so as, as Carb begins to play, I'm going to kind of land the plane with, an how to, with a how-to today, but I want you to understand that faith is simply that God's heart is inclined. He, he can and he wants to. And then when we step out in that, belief turns into faith when we act on it, when we actually pray. Acknowledging the reality of the already not yet and that tension, but not dismissing it. Faith is simply trusting in God, that his goal for our lives is our good and his glory. And here's, here's the definition that I have really been sitting in a lot by John Mark Homer. He said it this way. He said, miracle working faith believes that God is genuinely eager for the goodness of miracles. Miracle-working faith is simply believing that God is genuinely eager for the goodness of miracles. So, maybe faith for us today, again, because we're just kind of posturing ourselves as a church to be open. Open to the stuff the Spirit does. Open to what we see in the Scriptures and our current reality. Open to... Uh, our, just acknowledging our doubts and our challenges and our, and our tension. But maybe faith for us today is simply that we believe this reality and we begin to pray for people. And so let me give you a how today because I know, I know this is, this is a, an important practical piece. So how, how, do we, how do we pray for healing? Number one, you create an environment of faith. Again, this is not emotionalism. This is not trying to work yourself up. It's just before you start acknowledging, Jesus, you, you said that God is a good father, gives good gifts to his kids. Your heart, I know you can. I think you actually want to. Just a posture of faith. And, and we say, why would you say that? Have you ever noticed you read stories? Jesus would show up to heal somebody. All these people are crying and doubting and wailing. What would he do? He kicked those people out of the room. <laughs> right? Get those people out of here. Close the door. <laughs> We're about to see someone heal. It's kind of interesting, right? And so you say, what does this mean? Like if you're struggling to have faith, a lot of times, like if it's personal or it's close to you, like there's some doubt that creeps in. And so if you're struggling, find someone else. <laughs> hey, hey, you look like you got some faith. Come over here and pray with me, right? Like just create an environment of faith to add to your faith. And right, I mean, children, we, we prayed for them this morning, but like children have some of the most amazing faith, right? Like, oh yeah, God could do that. And so you can pray with your kids. But creating an environment of faith is where we start. Number two, inviting the Holy Spirit to come. Again, this is, the Holy Spirit is the one that heals, not you and I. 1 Corinthians 12, when, when, when Paul is talking about 
this manifestation of the Spirit, he says it's gifts, plural, of healing. And I think that that comes to mean like you and I are like the FedEx guy. <laughs> like we're just the deliverer. Like we're just the, the one that he works through to give a gift of healing. We're not the ones that heal. Uh, number three, ask God to reveal all that, that is going on. When you pray for someone, when you're praying for yourself, praying with others, ask God to reveal all that is going on. God, is there anything else here? Right, so maybe as you're praying, we talked about this the word of prophecy a couple weeks ago, right? Maybe God reveals that there's a father wound that's not been dealt with, or maybe there's something going on behind the arthritis that you're praying for. Like, God, is there anything else we're missing? I was talking to Albert a couple of uh, weeks ago, and uh, his niece, Unique, has had a, a, uh, a terrible situation. I think she's 12 now, and um, she's completely paralyzed. And it's, I mean, it's an absolutely tragic scenario. And we prayed for her, I don't even know, a thousand times. And in the tension of the already not yet kingdom, and we begged God and nothing. And the other day I asked him, I said, hey, have we ever asked, is there anything else going on? Like, have we ever asked the Holy Spirit to reveal anything else going on in that scenario? He said, no. And I said, no, I haven't, I haven't either. So maybe we should. And I'm not saying that that's, that's the, the difference here, but we've never asked. So again, we just ask, God, is there anything else going on? Maybe there's unforgiveness. It's a big one. Many times, unforgiveness is something that gets in the way and it blocks God doing that thing. Uh, number, number, number four. <laughs> what number am I? Number four is pray specifically. Um, as a general rule, generic prayers get generic answers. And so if you want to see healing over something specific, you pray specifically. And again, we're, we're praying with faith. God, we believe that you can and you want to. And then the last one, number five, is if you don't see healing, keep praying. And this is probably the hardest, but there are tons of stories of people being he healed either in stages or over, over a longer period of time. We see Jesus heal a blind man, and he's he he that one's, he's healed progressively. We're not in charge here. We're just asking because God is good, and we can trust him. And so if you haven't seen it, keep, keep asking. That's what Jesus says to do. And so again, there's a tension here, right, of the already not yet reality. But I heard John Wimber say it this way. He's like, man, there's a tension that, that can, can be discouraging in this scenario. But he's like, you know what? If I pray over 100 people and one of them is healed versus I don't pray over 100 people at all and no one's healed, I'd rather see one person heal. And I'm like, oh, man, like I... I like that and I don't. Um, but let me, let me say it this way. I, I think, just to be encouraging, because even in this space, I want to be clear, um, that John Mark Comer's definition, right, I, I think is where we want to lean, that miracle-working faith believes that God is genuinely eager for the goodness of miracles. Jesus said the kingdom is here and it's now. And so I would argue that this reality is available to us in, in a much more present reality than we give it credit for. It's happening all around the world. Tons of people come to faith in Jesus in third world countries over healing. You get a chance to jump on a plane and go join some of our partners in India, and it's just amazing. And so I just invite us, maybe for us today, it's just being open. So here's, here's the deal. Um, we have a prayer team in the back at any point in time during the last two songs. If you need prayer over anything, Personally, again, we're whole persons, and so it can be emotional, physical, spiritual, you name it. 
If you need prayer, we've got a prayer team that's going to be in the back. Um, and we'd love to join you in prayer. Um, in addition, I invited some of our friends. We, we partner with uh, our friends at InterVarsity on campus at CU. And so Bo and Kristen Abbott and one of their friends, they're here. And uh, they've seen God heal quite a few people simply through praying. Uh, they're not special people. Um, they, they've just been walking in this a little longer than us. And so they're here as well to join us in prayer. So we've got teams in the back. If you need prayer, if someone in your life needs prayer, a family member, a coworker, man, we'd love to join you in prayer today. I think it's just where we start, okay? Um, and so I'm going to invite you to do that. If you need prayer over anything else, man, we're here for you. At the same time, uh, we're going to have a chance to respond in whatever way is helpful to you. So I'm going to invite you to just bow your heads for a moment um, and close your eyes in a moment of privacy. And this is just to quiet your heart and mind for a minute. And as we take a deep breath and just posture our hearts and minds for a second. God, we believe that you are genuinely eager for the goodness of miracles. with our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment, I just want to invite you, if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room, I want you to know, not only does God love you, but the very purpose of Jesus, coming and living a perfect life, dying in our place for our sins and rising again, was to forgive us, to set us free, to heal us and make us right with God. And so before any other arena of healing, I mean, we saw it when, G when Jesus looked at the guy that was lowered down on the mat. <laughs> what does he do? He looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus makes him spiritually whole, even before he's made physically whole. And I want you to know that that, that is God's love and heart for you, that you would come to know his love today. If you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus, to ask him to save you and set you free, I want you to know that the decision is completely available to you. Paul talks about, about it like a gift that you simply receive. And Jesus would love to meet you in that space. And I can promise you this, that when you trust in Jesus, that he was who he said he was, he can do in your life what he said he would do. Not only will he make you completely new and alive spiritually, but he'll adopt you into the family of God, set you free, and empower you on a life that you were created to live. As I invite you to trust in Jesus today, if you never have, for my friends in the room who are followers of Jesus, I just invite you to open up your lives with me to the stuff the Spirit wants to do. And let's start today by having the faith to simply ask a good Father for the areas that need healing. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.